Insane Transformation Podcast, currently unhosted because Mike and Matt are still in the paddock practicing equine telepathy. You made me have a haircut. Uh, well, and you know what the thing about the video is now everybody can see that you have in fact had a haircut. It's not like yeah. you're just telling us on the podcast that you yeah. had one. You've really had one. Yeah, I went from Neanderthal to Homo sapien. Hey, haircut looks great. Looks yeah. sharp. You look ten thank years you. ten years younger yeah, so and twenty years yeah. twenty years lighter. Yeah, thanks, thanks. And also I'm off the Interpol most wanted list now. So. <laughs> Although I might be back on it with this look, you never know. Yeah, that's right. Uh, what do you want to talk about today? Um, good question. I don't know. I mean I, I think um, service design seems to be a big thing that's front of mind. Mm. Uh, the last sort of thing that's been really eating at me and gnawing at me actually has been what's going on with the COVID testing. Um, but I'm curious, mm. I don't know what, what are you like, let's just maybe just chat for a second and see, but when you, when, how, when's the last time you got tested? Um, I have never been tested, but oh. I have my injections. Okay. Oh, you've been yeah. vaccinated. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the vaccination for a second. Then. Did, when you went in to get vaccinated, did you have an appointment time? An appointment Not for that. No. So you my just doctor just said, uh, so I got the, uh, you know, the over 50 yep. shot yep. Yeah, and I've got to go back in a few weeks for the number two. Yep. Um, my doctor just said, look, a few people have canceled. Yep. The shot's available. Go down and get it. And I went down the hallway, answered some questions and I got jabbed. Oh, well, yeah, your, yours is like the darling story. I don't think the average person gets it quite so well. But... Yeah. Look, it just <clears> happened to be, um, I was at Barangaroo seeing mm. the doctor and yeah, there just happened to be a couple of slots that had come mm. up. And bam, down there and bam in the arm. Yep. Well, I know when I went here in Canberra, I waited for five hours. Yep. And um, th so that my story with that was, I didn't, I mean, I went, I think the thing opened at like uh, nine o'clock and I went at like 8.30. But before you even get into the testing center, I was queuing up outside for like three and a half hours. Yeah. No signage, no, nothing telling me how long, no one walking around, no bathrooms, no yeah. water, none of that. And then you get in the testing center and they say, okay, from this point, it's an hour and a half. You have to park your car or get out of your car in the sort of S curve turn, whatever it is, to run over to the toilet or whatever. But in <clears throat> in New South Wales, <clears throat> sorry, in New South Wales and Fairfield, in those areas, they're like seven hours mm. of testing. And so I, I sort of had a bit of a dummy spit saying, I think it's unreasonable to expect a 65-year-old woman or an elderly person mm to sit in their car mm. for that amount of time, no water, no toilet access, mm. none of that. And so we're actually pushing people in the community <clears throat> to get tested every three days in their case. But I guess from a behavioral perspective, I mean, or even a change perspective, like what do you think the effect is of that on people? Like if you know you're gonna sit there for seven hours, what, what do you think is going through the minds of people? Do they then, like, are you, are you gonna have anxiety about just queuing up to get the test, plus the anxiety of if you've never been tested, or even if you have been tested, maybe it's worse because you get the thing up the nose and they're swiping it around. It's not pleasant at all. Mm -hmm. But I mean, what, what do you think is a way to better engage the community? Like, how do we, 
like is there a better like I, I can think about the design of the process but I'm curious from a behavioral from a human side how do you do that in such a way even if you were dealing with a seven hour wait time to frame this so that people are not thinking Jesus Christ I don't want to deal with this is there a way around that or how, how do you what do you do with that well, I, I think you have to categorize the event mm. as in the COVID-19 event as a national and international, I don't know if disaster is the mm. right word, but it, it, I've seen a little bit of, or read a little bit of um, commentary around that type of behavior by people, that sort of obedience and that resigned, that no one's happy about it, but mm. they're doing it, to uh, wartime London during the Blitz, mm. where people would happily, well, possibly not happily, but would, would dutifully go down and sit in a, bun uh, a bunker in the tube for hours while something bombed, mm -hmm. then get up, potentially go and help dig out some neighbours or help the fire wardens put out fires or go to work because, you know, London was still functioning during all that. So the point that I suppose that people are making there is that people could still function, mm -hmm. but they were anxious, they mm -hmm. were scared, mm -hmm. but they had a common purpose. They had... They had to do this. There was no other choice, and they were doing it for the common purpose of to survive as a individual, as a family, as a community, um, in the face of overwhelming odds by an enemy. So, yep. is COVID nineteen the enemy? Mm. That you know, this is putting a bit of a a, a national mobilisation spin on it. That everybody's part, even mm. sitting in a car, is important. Even if the conditions are suboptimal, and they are, by the way, you are doing your part. Every mm. test counts, every injection counts. So maybe spinning it around from those ads where they're trying to scare people into it. Yep. You know, look, look at what happens after a flood. Mm. Total strangers will turn up mm. and help you clean your house. Yep. During a bushfire, people will, 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 will feed you, will take you in. And I know that from personal experience, by the mm. way. Um, so maybe it's like that. Maybe we should stop trying to scare people into being recruited to the COVID cause and say, look, this is a national, we, we need you. You mm, are mm, needed mm. to help. Whatever you do, even if it's as simple as just getting a test, even if you don't believe in the test, we need you. That's interesting. I, I guess the first thing that comes to my mind is, what's, what is... Like when I think about the difference of that situation, there's an external event. There's an external thing, external to us, the bombing, the attack or whatever. There's the that. COVID. Well, yeah, yeah but, but in the case of the COVID, this thing is like sitting out here. But that, I don't maybe it is the same. I don't know. But we're saying that you've made a decision in this course of action dealing with the COVID where you have to now go and test and sit in that line for seven hours but it's almost like you, you can control, I can control the way the tests are administered. I can control how many testing facilities I have. I mm. can control how many tests I have. Mm. I can control the frequency around how often I ask you to get tests. In the bombing situation, you're going to get bombed, mm. right? And, and, and that happens and everybody jumps in the shelters, right? Mm. That's, more, that's more of a reactive thing where in this, I feel like, and again, we're 18 months into this. Yeah. It's not like, it's not like this stuff just the the air raid yeah. sirens go on yeah. and we jump and we're saying no uh based on whatever evidence we have you're going to go sit in line every three days yeah. and you're going to like i feel like 
maybe that maybe that's just the way I'm attributing it, but I feel like there's a lot more control, a lot yeah. more internal locus of control here where we can control what we're asking people to do. And not only that, we can control the parameters about their testing. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree that the, it is uh, difficult to overlay, you know, wartime London onto mm. peacetime COVIDville in Australia, but yep. there are some similarities to the extent that I was supposed to be sitting in Darwin tonight. Sure. Celebrating my birthday. Yep. If I'd have gone to Darwin, I'd be sitting at the Howard Springs uh, COVID camp because yep. it was hard lockdown overnight. Mm. I would have immediately had to have gone into lockdown. I had no control over that. Yep. But I made a decision consciously not to go. Well, so yeah. there are some similarities, but there are also stark differences. So how do you then... Well, hang on. But you, you have no control as a citizen, but the government can control the decision to lock down, when to lock down, where to lock down. And again, the, the assumption is it, I, I have the foresight to say, based on X number of test results, I'm going to lock us down. Yeah. Okay, fine. That can be communicated. But you, if you know you're going to put a lockdown, you can also increase the number of testing facilities, increase the resources going into testing. So, so even though you're going to lock groups down and you yeah. want to increase testing, you can control things a bit? Yeah. I mean, you can, but you and I know how hard it is to mobilize resources to deal with something. It's sure. not... You know, tweet the Minutemen turn up with COVID tests. Yep. There's so many, and I'm not defending the government. Yep, yep. I'm not taking a vax yep. stance, but to mobilize, let, let's just take something as simple as an election. Sure. For example, people must think that all those people that sit around counting the votes just uh, are in a, you know, an Australian Electoral Commission warehouse somewhere. Mm-hmm. They're not. Yep. You know, they have to be mobilized. All the all the resources to mobilize a massive to fight a fire, they're not sitting around waiting around to do that. Mm. So there are to mobilize people is the government's job, by mm. the way. Mm. It, I'll, I'll underline that. That is the government's job. But it is far easier for us to just glibly say the government mm. should be doing it. Mm. My question to you is, and you haven't answered this, mm. what is my role as a citizen in all of mm. this? You know, and I accept what you're saying about the mm. government. That's their job. That's mm. why they're elected. They have the power to, to make laws about it. Mm. They have budgets, which is not finite, but mm. they can go into debt. We sure. all know that. Sure. What's the citizen's role in all of this, Mike? Good question. Well, I mean, I guess in this case, we're saying the citizen's role is just to follow, you know, lockstep with what is requested. Right. And I guess you, you can't, I mean, look, and I, I, don't, I don't want to make it a political thing, but it was more about the service design, but um, like there's protests and all this stuff going on now. But what I'm really curious about is how do you smooth out the design? How do you improve the design? How do you improve out the visibility and the communication to the community to improve their experience? And what I'm saying is I feel like there's a lack of onus around that, around yeah. the control of the design and the experience for people. Like whether they decide to test every five minutes or every five days. I don't care about that. What I, what I want to see is, do we really care about the people and are we thinking about the people? And then if, if it requires that you're tested however often, what, what are the comms and the messaging that need to come back to help smooth out some of the anxiety that people are going to no. feel or that, well, you, you know what I'm saying? Any would be better. <laughs> but I was just, you know, as you're talking there, I'm thinking about, you know, so one of the better things, I suppose, for some people is, is, is the limited financial help that's going out. Mm. And again, it's limited. It's not working for everybody. It mm. could be better. But let's look at, like, there's a council election coming up. There's a big queue, right? Mm. There's 
and you have to wait in Big Q to get in there. It's a bit faster, sure. but it's still a long queue. You've got no choice. You've got to go there and do it. Yep. What's the difference between that queue on election day mm. and the stark queue on COVID day? What's the difference? Mm. There is a difference. Mm. Let me tell you what it is. Okay. Give it to me. Somehow, the community's embraced. Mm. There's a sausage sizzle going on usually. There might be some dude playing guitar. Mm. There's obviously a toilet. Mm. Uh, there's a uh, an information warden who's walking around uh, in a neutral coloured shirt giving out things. There's other people spruiking stuff. It's kind of interesting. Mm. It's kind of a, it's not fun, mm. but it's not dreary. So potentially one of the things I suppose from the design perspective is rather than just giving out financial aid, which I I, am, I, I, I beg them to continue doing, mm. But also think about, well, let's take a small community, I don't know, Murren Bateman or Yass, near where mm-hmm. I live now. Um, potentially, there could be some um, funding to allow local musicians to go and play at COVID Day or a small business who's been severely affected by um, a drop-off in trade as a cafe to go mm. and within the rules of COVID safety to, fizz, to, to simply give out coffee on that day. Yeah. To sim- and and clearly um, get some people who uh, are well suited to giving out information, pay them to be mm, there and mm, talk mm. to people and, and, and walk along the lines, maybe with a big sign, the queue is now an hour. You know, So yep. I think that gets back to your treating people, not as statistics, mm. but as people. Yep. Better messaging, uh, yeah, a more nuanced use of funding mm. where possible to get people actively involved yes. on the day to feel like it. One of the things that was an interesting phenomenon that came out of, I think, the both the Brisbane Commonwealth Games in 1982 and the Sydney Commonwealth Games in 2000 was the volunteers mm. felt a profound series of loss after the volunteering event because they were there, they're not getting paid, but they had a purpose. Mm. So I think if you recruited people into that poorly managed yep thing now yeah. maybe that might, might that might help it wouldn't cure solve everything yep. but it would help no but that's actually really cool i think um because you hit on a couple of things one you hit on you, you can actually we can pay the, the coffee shops the cafes are struggling yeah. they, can, they can get paid for that time and that's yeah. really good for them um which is awesome but then there's the piece around um and there's so there's really three things there's that which is so revenue for for small businesses then there's the piece about um the the actual marketing and the narrative which is Go get yourself a coffee and a meat pie, or a coffee and yeah, a scone or, or whatever, and get your test. Yeah. So it's it's not we're not just get your test. It's go get in line, get your coffee and your meat pie or whatever, yeah, yeah. and get your test. Right. Yeah. So there's that, and then there's the the volunteer piece, which again, I, you know, I was saying this, I've said this in plenty of podcasts. Like I will do stuff for free. I'm happy to help yeah. redesign things. People like to volunteer. Yeah. It's a high risk environment, but put them in PPE. They don't have to be on top of people. People will volunteer yeah. to take that sign and say, hey, guys, from this point, it's 25 minutes. Yeah. We keep the social distancing, so I'm talking to you when you're in yeah. your car or whatever. You know, it's that kind of thing. But you're right. I think I think those three things um, would have a major impact on people's perception about yeah. what that is. And, and again, it's all about you're doing this to help control the spread. Yeah, right? in your community, in your, yes. in your state. Yeah, so that maybe that's something that, um, you know, we can bring up... Um, Scott Morrison and say, hey, Scott, <laughs> yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll stop pass. treating people like statistics and mm. start treating people like people and get them involved with community purpose. Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Okay, well, there you go. We've solved that problem. Um, Mike, cut. So, so Mike, <laughs> I, 
<laughs> Cut. Yeah, look, I have been, you know, as you were, working with horses now for yep. nearly a year. And it, it dawned on me with a new off-the-track thorough, off thoroughbred that yep. we got in who yep. was having a number of issues, but a lot of his issues were trust. Mm. And I was observing how people were trying to gain his trust. Mm-hmm. And it was going very badly. I won't talk about equine trust or human um, equine uh, bonding or trust in any detail unless yep. somebody wants me to. <clears throat> sure. But, you know, that, that really, for weeks and weeks and weeks now, I've been thinking about the concept of trust, mm. you know, and the concept of you know, what is it? Can I buy some? Yep. Uh, can, I, uh, can I can I get online and get it from eBay? Mm. Uh, how do I use it? How do I lose it? How is it used? You know, so it's a word, again, it's one of these words that we, it's like a Christmas decoration. Mm. We get it out, we hang it on the tree, it's shiny, it's fantastic. Mm. And then when we don't need it, we put it away. But we don't stop to actually think of what it means to us as a person or as an organisation or a community. You know, so what are your thoughts about this thing called trust? Yeah, I. <clears throat> interesting. I suppose it's probably something that in my normal interactions with people, <clears throat> you just sort of expect it's there. Like, the, the, like, I guess you have trust and you probably take it for granted and you assume that someone's going to show up when they say they're going to show up, they're going to do X when they say it, and, you, and they're going to share some piece of information with you and you believe that to be true and then you can make a decision based on that. And it's only until the point where it's not the case or there's an issue with that that then the trust kind of become salient or you know like it's almost like i just assume that um i can take some whatever someone says to me on face value and i say yeah that if they tell me that's the case then that's what it is and it's almost like it's just i don't know maybe i default to trusting people mm-hmm. until yeah. they yeah. give me a reason not well, to well i've just beamed down from the planet kuzbane yep i want you to trust me on this well, it's funny i mean if the average person told me i, I wouldn't believe it but because it's you uh, I, you know, there's a, there's actually a very good chance you did beam down from that planet, even if it was only while you were sitting in your car, yeah. just coming in here, you, you know, your, uh, your soul beamed down or yeah. I don't know, your, your consciousness beamed down. Uh, maybe there's a metaphysical beaming down yeah. physically. Do I think you did it? No, I don't think it's possible, but do you swear by it? I mean, do you like, do you, do you hundred percent believe that you did that? You, I want you to trust me on it. I, again, I can trust that you you believe that you fully believe that you experienced that. Yeah. I don't think it's a physical possibility. Okay. Where does that get us? Gets us to you at making assumptions about trusting what I'm telling you. Mm. And you've already modified. <clears throat> you, know, you went from, yeah, if it was anybody else, I wouldn't believe that now you yep. believe now you're indicating that it's some sort of mental... Like a uh, transcendence thing or something. yeah. yeah. So how then do we step aside from the beaming down and agree simply as to what the construct of trust is? Because let's face it, it's a, it's a construct. It's mm-hmm. not real. Mm-hmm. Other than I could write it out a hundred times. Yep. But what, what are the indicators of trust? Yeah, what does trust look like? But trust... Trust isn't a thing, right? I mean, no, it's a construct. Yeah, so I mean, if it's a construct. It's not a thing, but yeah. it's it is a thing. You know, it's it, you know, it's, it's one. It's like a psychological construct. But it's a it's a it's a subjective construct. I mean, like you you could say that 
Uh, okay, you, you and I could both observe a situation. Yeah. And you and I could both have different views about whether or not we yeah. trust that person. But isn't that, that's completely subjective. subjective. Yeah. yeah, it is. But that's my point. Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling with this idea of there's a leader. Mm. Let's use the leadership as the example. Let's call it the prime minister. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's the prime minister. 20 people in the room. Mm. I want you to trust me. I'm telling you that I'm going to be dealing with COVID correctly. Mm. Do all 20 of those people in that room trust that statement as in the construct of trust of that mm. statement and go, yep, I, 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 I believe that. Mm. Oh, probably not. Well, why not? Because can't we assume that the Prime Minister is telling us the truth and that we trust her? Or him, whoever well, it might be. Well, we can, yeah, but I guess this, again, goes back to that subjective view of reality. If everybody has their own view and their own interpretation and their own prior experiences, um, well, they can yeah. interpret that differently. Well, then how do we... How do we... employ that in a business sense? How do we gain people's trust? If mm. we can't... And I, and I still want to say, like, okay, so there'll be some things on our on our dashboard that are going green that mm-hmm. I'm going to trust this person. Mm-hmm. So assume the dashboard's always orange because we not we don't think they're a lie, but I'm yep. not sure. Yep. How do I make my decision dashboard to subjectively go, I trust them? How do, how do we get from, I'm not sure yep. to I trust Mike and I I actually believe, I trust Mike. Yep. And and I believe what he's saying. Yeah. I, well, I mean, what do we do? How do we do that? Um, if I think about like in the context of running an innovation project or something if i if someone is unknown like that there's no history and we get an introduction and i'm i'm talking to them about what we can do with the product or service design i think there's always a bit of skepticism there because it sounds too good to be true it sounds yeah. like there's going to be this crazy idea so i think i feel like what happens is trust happens over time where mm-hmm. we say listen we're going to do x we're going to we're going to run a design workshop and we're going to generate 25 ideas five of those ideas are going to be industry you know, brand new to the industry. Mm. It's only it's only until you start to deliver on the things that you say you're going to deliver that then the person has, I guess, that trust that what you say you can do in the future you can actually do. But I don't know if that's trust or if that is. I mean, is that something else? I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I'm having this conversation. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I. But I feel like from a business perspective, that's one of the biggest hurdles is someone tells you they're going to give you X. Yeah. And you've got to trust yeah. that they can actually deliver on what they say they can deliver, and they're not—they're not overpromising. They're not making a glossy case and saying, "Oh no, we're going to get you ten million. Are yeah. you actually going to get me ten million? Like, are, are, how are you going to do that? Yeah. Well, I'm going to do it by this and this and this. Hmm. Okay. Maybe. But so, are you saying that in the initial stages, you can still work with somebody but mm. not trust them? Maybe it's you can definitely work with them and not trust them. I yeah. think in most cases, when you have an initial, um, you know, business introduction, you don't, you don't, you don't know the person. You don't, you yeah. don't have any history with them. Yeah. So unless someone else is vouching for that person, again, someone else that you trust, that's saying yes, um, Matt can really do these things, then you're just going off of that initial conversation. So, so, yeah. so I guess you can trust them as much as you want to open yourself up. I don't know, for risk or exposure yeah, or whatever. Which, which, let's face it, you have to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to do. 
I suppose is it easier in a way to say, based on what we've just discussed, how how do you lose trust? So how because if we say that trust is subjective, it's a construct, it's not tangible. Mm. It's some it's a thing in your own mind subjective yep. to you. And if you allocate a small amount to me initially, because mm. you have to, I suppose. Yep. How do I lose it from well, my business perspective? Yeah, that's really interesting too. I'm thinking of a couple different people and examples. It's almost like if if I really wanted to, if I wanted to find a reason not to trust you, I could do that, because I could just think about a hundred things you've said, mm. and then I could find one thing mm. that wasn't maybe because of my own misremembering or something. Yeah. That one thing, I'm like, nope. You're See, I told you, I can't, I can't trust you. Yeah. You, you didn't do you. You said you're going to be here at. 7 a.m. You got here at 7:05. I cannot yeah. trust you to yeah. be here on time. And you yeah. can say, "Well, Mike, we've done 100 podcasts. Every podcast I've been here on time. Yeah. I, I can't trust you, Pat." Yeah. So it, part of it, I think, is does the person not want to trust you, and then are they looking for evidence or any reason at all to not trust you? In which case, they can find or manufacture anything. Just confirmation bias. Right. Yeah. But then that goes the other way as well, right? Confirmation bias to, well, you could you could let me down 99 times, but I could still trust yeah. you. Because you turn up once. Yeah, because you're doing your best. You, you tell me you're doing yeah. your best. And hey, things happen. Man, yeah. I know you're going to be late. Things happen. But you know what? You did the best you could. Halo effect. He's a good guy. Yeah. I love yeah. that guy, man. Yeah. So what? He That's can't do anything weird. wrong. It's a bit weird. But yeah, yeah. Got it. Yeah. yeah it's a so different kind of love. you're saying there is degrees of losing trust. You know, if, if it, And it depends on the person who... So there's two people maybe in this transaction. One is the giver of trust and one is the receiver of trust. Yes. And the holder of trust, yep. they can lose it themselves by mm. going, "I don't trust this person because of reasons that are known only unto me." Mm. Well, how, what other, how other ways can you lose it? So if the person's a fairly mm. generous and benevolent person, and will put up with a lot of uh, tomfoolery, mm. uh, like Mike and me, um, so wouldn't that be Mike foolery? It's <laughs> Mike yeah, foolery. Yeah. So, but so just generally, how do you lose a client's trust? How do you lose a project partner's trust, and and not that yep. not not the extreme example? How do you do that over time? How does it just start crumbling over time? I I think. And can you stop it? Yeah. Well, I I mean, what I've learned is that uh, sometimes things happen, and for for a number of reasons, you may not be able to get the ten million. It might be nine million. Yeah. But a lot of times, if the client knows, so if they if they have visibility, they know what's coming yep. up, when it's coming up, and you don't you don't let them rock up to the board meeting, you know, two days or, you know, two days ahead of the board meeting, tell them, listen, we're not going to get the full yeah. 10 million. Hands up everyone who got 10 million. Put, keep your hands down, <laughs> Jane. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a surprise. Yeah. But no, I think it's, so even though we, we say, look, you can trust me, we're going to get you the 10 million. Yeah. If things start to go awry, the yeah. moment things start to go off track, you say, geez, you know what? We just found out, which we didn't know in the beginning that, X, Y, and Z are going on in your environment. Your systems actually yeah. don't talk to each other. You got a big problem here. Yep. Um, well, we've, I, we've got a big problem. We, we've got a well. Yeah. You've got a big problem because I'm going to the next job. Yeah. No, yeah. We, you've, we've got a big problem here. Um, <laughs> don't say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. This is how the you know the consultants can never do wrong. No, it, but then again, they never get called back. No, but anyway, when you just say, listen. We're probably not. I know I said I was going to get the ten million, mm. but we didn't know about this, and we just found yeah. out about this, and this has happened. Yeah. Um, uh, do Do you feel like the person loses trust? Not necessarily. I feel like they might even trust you more because 
they understand what's happening. They have time to prepare yeah. a response. It's not a surprise. It's not a surprise. Not a surprise. They know what's going on. Yeah. Um, because let's be honest, life happens. Yeah. And even though you might have done this a hundred times, this time might be the anomaly yeah. where, geez, well, we'd never seen this before. There's also a bit of accountability in there as well. Yep. Um, I'm doing what I can, but there mm. are actually some things outside of my locus of control. But I'm accountable for everything I've got. But I've got this issue that is genuinely I've got no control over. Yep. What What are we going to do about this? Mm. Do we shift our aspirations down, or we do we do something else? So mm. so, it, so it's trans, oh, it's robust and regular communications mm. part of it. But if you don't have that, mm. you might start losing your trust mm. uh, quotient with mm. the client. Anything else spring to mind? should really paint that ceiling yeah no i'm not thinking about the ceiling um i don't i don't know can you breach trust can you with a client can you to a third party you know is it is it a human thing to say oh you know i mean this is obvious if you went to another another client and said oh, i'm with these other guys and you know we're not going to make the 10 mil i mean that's that's too simple to be mm. commercially viable you wouldn't think that would happen well i, I it mean it could happen with friendships but maybe not with yeah but is this kind of getting in, us into the the commission versus omission where you're you're actively lying to the person you're or you're withholding something like <clears throat> uh in this case i could be withholding something and just not allowing them to discover. Was there a break of trust there? Could be, but that that's not nearly as bad as me telling you, hey, you're going to get that $10 million. Knowing full well at that point where I have the information, yeah. you're definitely not going to get well, it. I, I, I almost said this the same. If you, I know the contract may not require you to cough up yep. additional information you know, it's without um, certain conditions being met, but if you know it... Mm. The only person that know that will know about it ultimately is you, but if you're found out, yep, I think your trust will go into the gurgler. It'll go into red. Yeah. So, like a simple example is, I say, "Hey, doctor, you're not a doctor, but you don't correct me." Yeah. So, are you saying that because you don't correct me when I say, "Hey, doctor," that you've actually lied to me, and now that's the that's where the trust break happens? So, so now you're putting the action back on you even though i'm the one that assumed you were a doctor oh yeah false valor false titles yeah. yeah kind of thing but but in that case that's like oh like you're not you're not lying you're not lying to me you're just not correcting my misunderstanding of something yeah so in the case where you're, you're making assumptions about where the 10 million is going to come from the 10 million is going to come you know 2 million from operations 8 million from blah 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 blah. Yeah. um i don't do i have to correct you on that i mean that's my own feeling is yes mm. Because it seems dishonest to me, mm. yeah. You know, and if my my advice to anyone about dishonesty, if it if you're giggling in the back of your hair is standing mm. up on end while you're mm. doing something, it's probably dishonest. You know, yeah, okay, you're gonna make ten mil, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so what if you're still getting the ten mil, but you're just not clear on where the ten mil is coming from? So you're in a meeting, and uh -huh. you're saying, yeah, we've got X mil coming from here, X mil coming from uh -huh. here, we've got the ten million coming in. And your job was to deliver the 10 mil. The 10 mil is still, still coming in. Yeah. Um, personally, I would feel... I, I think I would have to tell the person. Yeah. Uh, because 
you owe a fiduciary duty to mm. correct mistakes. Now, this might be the most meaningless mistake. Look, sorry, this bit's, this bit's coming in from this this mm. area of revenue. We still made the ten million, but because but but what if it's coming in from somewhere it shouldn't be coming in from? Yep. and not even illegal. Sure, but just it's oh, we've just managed to you know shift mm. shift something in. So then, and that might affect another part of the organisation, but who cares? Yep. You know, I don't want to work for the other part of the organisation. You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm... So back to the trust equation. And so what you're saying is it's two things. One is it's as, as an action, I can't take an action that I know to be false and, 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 uh, and try to deceive you in that way. But I also, in order to maintain your trust, have to correct you every time you make a mistake that I know to be wrong or you say something that I know to be wrong. Yeah. Because in which case, then you could actually come back to me and you could say, hey, did you know that the $2 million wasn't coming from there? Yeah, well, oh, yeah, actually, yeah, I did. I should have told you. So now our trust is broken down yeah. because you didn't steer me in that yeah. direction. Yeah. Yes. I, 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 without going yes, yes, yes to every part of that, <laughs> yeah, I think... And I, always, I would also say to people, it's easier to be honest. Mm. It's just... So easy to be say, mm. uh, that's actually not correct. Yep. But you, you, here's what's correct. Then yep. saying, oh, yeah. And then later go, oh, yeah, I meant to say that. Mm. And I found that out, you know, dealing with countless issues uh, as a military police officer. Mm. Um, you just say, but why didn't you just do the honest thing? It's right. so much right. easier. Yep. Uh, and then over time in those organizations, that's how trust is, is won and broken. But isn't the problem like with sociopaths and pathological liars and stuff that they actually, they make themselves believe. Well, yeah. That's, that, that, so if, yeah. and again, this goes back to the subjective. They, they actually believe. Or they can't, they can't not do it because of, you know, they, right. they, they, they are, they're doing it because of a mental health issue, for right. example. Right. Yeah, so there's a whole bunch of things there. Well, it's, there's going to be more than just trust issues with those sure. people. Sure, okay. I would have thought. But we're talking about typical people yeah. in the business environment. But what if, just getting, you know, getting back to that equation, what do you do? So trust as a construct is owned by, at the simplest, by, by a person. They're, they're giving the trust to the receiver of the trust and then they hold it mm -hmm. and they can give some trust back mm. or they can drop it. You know, so it's, that, it's a sort of a metaphysical... Well, not it's an you know it's an analogy. I'm giving you a a bowl with nice things in it. Yep. And well, can I, I add more to it, or I, can I drop it? You know, because you now hold my yeah. trust. Yeah, but I I think you can. I mean, incrementally. That's what I'm saying. Like you can, you can do a hundred things, and a hundred times you can you can build up that big that bowl. yeah. I need a bigger bowl. Trust bowl or yeah. trust bucket that you're walking around carrying. And then, yeah, sometimes it can splash over, sometimes it can spring a leak. But again, I think that depends very much on the individual. But the trust equation still goes both ways, right? Because just as much as you trust me to deliver, yeah. I trust you to pay me, to not yeah. uh, badmouth me, yeah. to not <clears throat> whatever, right? So, yeah. And the moment that you, maybe the moment that I uh, interpret you not trusting me, yeah. The trust it starts, yeah. it starts to break on both yeah. sides. I start putting something naughty into the trust right. role. Yeah, so that's interesting. So it go, you know, do it to yourself as you would do it to mm, others. Mm. Uh, uh, it goes both ways. Mm. Uh, you can gain and lose it. Mm. You can um, assume that people are doing something uh, correctly until you find out otherwise. Yep. So you have to make some assumptions to start the relationship. You have to rely on some judgment to start the relationship, mm. but you 
intuitively uh, or in a direct sense are gathering more facts to build your subjective trust knowledge of the person holding your trust yep okay. and and, and uh, I don't know maybe you're going to get to this but now I'm thinking about why is it important like from a business from a business perspective if someone doesn't trust me it's not it's not about whether they trust me right at the outset I, I get that they're not probably not going to or they have to take it on face value but if after multiple interactions they don't trust me do you Gosh. want them as a client? Well, that's right. I mean, do yeah. I want to keep working with you? Like, you don't yeah. trust me. You don't. You don't ever think we're going to deliver. I yeah. keep promising and I keep delivering. How but, does it make you feel? Oh well, not good. I mean, obviously, I'm. I'm just thinking. They're paying about, well. Yeah. Well, still, but it, like, obviously, you're going to go somewhere else, right? Like, why? They're paying you a lot. Yeah, uh, and they do, and the rate's gone up, by the way. But, yeah. um, well, because I, you know, like for me, I'm trading, you know this amazing capability to get you something that no one else can get you or very, very few people can. If you've got a problem with me and you don't trust that we're going to do it, go get someone else. Like, I don't know. My, my thinking is just, I want to go to someone that actually has the faith and the belief that we're going to do it and then backs me when we do do it. And there's, I don't know, it's just, it works better for the relationship. Mm. If you're constantly in a relationship where the person doesn't trust you, I think it's a pretty unhealthy relationship, especially from a business perspective. Uh, and again, maybe that comes back to, well, if you don't trust me, what does that mean you're going to do two months from now when things get a bit rough or, you know, you know, because where's the reciprocity in the trust? Can I now trust you to, you know, not take credit for this or to take credit for yeah, like, or, whatever or, the case. or to not heap praise on me? To, yeah, whatever. Yeah. yeah, the guy's a fool. You know, they didn't know what they're talking about. They charged yeah. us a ton. And yep. Yeah. So that's something that, you know that's worthwhile thinking about as well from a business perspective. If you are, if you are sensing that you are not gaining the trust of your client, mm. you've probably got the same or the same problem, you know, as you'd have if I've tied myself up there. You know what I mean? So if, mm. if you think that they um, are not trusting you but still mm. taking your, you know, your invoices, mm. you've got a problem. Mm. Because you're a human and you have some pride in there and you, you care about your product. Mm -hmm. But it's the same from like a relationship perspective, isn't it? Like if you're in a relationship with a partner or whatever and that person doesn't trust you. That's, and you are trustworthy. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. If, if you're if you doing nothing wrong. You're doing nothing wrong and you're transparent about everything and they continue it because I'm thinking about a relationship I had one time that was like that. And it's like... Tell me about your child. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, it's you don't it's not good it becomes toxic right yeah. it becomes like you can't because the problem is and it goes back to what i was saying like it doesn't actually matter what you say it doesn't matter what you do because even if you say the right thing which is the right thing and you're 100 percent honest about everything well no i don't believe you yeah well, okay well it doesn't matter like you know what i mean it just yeah. it becomes this toxic fiery painful environment i mean that's and i think but that's exactly the same on the business side as well yeah wow <clears throat> Have we solved what trust is yet? No. <laughs> did that get at your questions? I mean, did, did that unpack what you were thinking about trust? Or, I mean, are you thinking that we need, and again, I haven't, like, obviously, you know, 40 minutes ago before we started talking about trust, I had, you know, I was not at all thinking about it. But um, I guess what the question is, what is the importance from the business perspective you know, we have to get in, we have to establish trust, we have to maintain trust, and it's something that we constantly have to maintain, isn't mm. it? Because it will erode over time, or it has yeah. the potential to erode over time. And at the same time, we get it, we maintain it. Um, if it's lost, 
the relationship is severely yeah. jeopardized. Look, the, the, the change that I've made to my trust you know, diagram, figure 1-1, one, one, mm. uh, is that before we started the conversation, I thought it was something I handed over to you, but it's something that we hold the same amount of trust. Mm. And our actions jointly or individually affect mm. that container. It's not held by me. It's yep. held by both of us. Yep. Um, so the example that you gave of where the client, you are doing nothing wrong, you're doing your job, but the client is never believing you, trusting you, is holding the same amount of trust as you have, but they themselves are starting mm. to affect it. So that's interesting. We bo- I, I think we both hold the same amount of that construct of trust. Mm. At the beginning, it's pretty pretty low. In the middle, it's probably pretty big. It might be bigger at the end. It might be gone by the end. Mm. But we both are responsible for that child called trust. Yep. Do, do you think it would be worth... Having a drink? Yeah, yes. yeah, please. Um, I actually got some Miller, a friend of mine. Uh, What's Miller time? Miller Genuine Draft, man. I don't know why I need to put on an American accent because, because I already, you have American. <laughs> I already have an American accent. Yeah. No, but a friend of mine uh, just sent me a case of uh, a Miller. Thank you so much for that, my friend. Um, really appreciate that. I was feeling a bit homesick, even though I wasn't actually homesick, and I haven't had Miller in I don't know twenty years. And it's, oh, it's, it's a, not bad. It's a good cold. It's not. It is good yeah. cold. Yeah. Um, but anyway, what I was going to say is, do do you think now that we've talked about all this? Do you think you should actually ask someone, hey, how do you like come right out and say, do you trust me? Or how do you like, how confident are you that I'm going to be like, do you think, I guess the first question is, should you check in on the trust? And then the second one is, how would you check in on the trust? So if I feel like we're just getting going, I I need something from you, Matthew, Mm. that tells me that, okay, Matt kind of gets it or there's still a lot of concern, in which case, if you have concern, then there's stuff that I could start surfacing. I could check in more. I could give you more data. I, you know, um, you know. So I guess the first question is, do we need to actually ask this question? And, the, and then the next part is, do we come right out and say, do you trust me? Which is probably could be dangerous. I think so. Or do you come out and say something like, hey, is there like, what's your confidence level in this? Do you think yeah. like there's a way that we can? Yeah, I think that question, what's the confidence level, and what are, what do we need to do to continue to? Um, foster confidence, build confidence. Mm. Real. It's go right back to the start where we're saying, well, trust is subjective, but we can do objective steps. Mm. There are things that, and this is you know, probably Project Management 101 at, the, mm. at a kickoff. Mm. You know, what, what, what guys, girls, team, sorry, team, um, let's talk about increasing our confidence in this. What do you need from me? Mm. What can I do for you? Mm. This is what I would like from you, you know, and don't be ashamed to say that. this is what I would need. Yeah, this is, and I think that conversation around using the word confidence, I think, mm. will be steps towards increasing the trust mm. quotient. No, so I think that's pretty interesting discussion on trust. Then, does that does that get you to where? I mean, I agree. It's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's. I think that's. It's really worthwhile of continuing discussions, either, yeah, you know, with us in a workshop or with 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 your team. Mm. Yeah, you know, it's it's something that you said at the outset that we take for granted. Yep, we assume. Yep, and you might be operating in a situation where 
what you take for granted or assume is entirely incorrect. Mm. So I think it's worthwhile checking in with your family, with your workmates, with whoever, uh, and just saying, hey, how are we going? You know, is there things, something I can do better? Yep. You know, don't come out and say, do you trust me? Unless you have to. Mm. And there might be circumstances where that's true. But usually I think it's just checking in with people and saying, how are we going? Mm. Yeah. Is there something that... Um, you know, I could explain better. You yes. Know, that's what I'm thinking about. It's an ongoing conversation mm. is probably where I'm at right now. All right. Well, let's call this trust part one. Okay. And then we're going to do trust part two. I guess I'm going to have to actually sit down and think about what the hell trust is. I just have to trust you to do that. Yeah, just don't, um, don't give me too much uh, leeway. Don't give me too much bandwidth. I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Don't give me too much room. Give you time just to fill up the space to fill up with procrastination. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. So I'll, we'll do it next in a couple of minutes. Yeah, I'll yeah. try. <laughs> I'll trust that you'll get there at some point in your lifetime. Yeah. Um, cool. cool. Well, anyway, look, hopefully you guys enjoyed today's session. Obviously, we had a new format today. You get to see Matt's haircut. Uh, and obviously, I'm not, when we when I do the the editing on this, I will never put the camera back on me. So even when I'm talking, I'm going to make sure the camera's at you, Matt, the whole that's time. Good. I think that's uh, going to increase our rating. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> Matt's fan base. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, but no, thanks guys for tuning in. Hopefully you got something out of today. Okay. And we'll see you soon. Thank you.